The same Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Commonwealth Engineers. Commonwealth Engineers has earned a reputation as a top-tier water resources firm, providing award-winning engineering solutions. Our commitment to protecting water quality and the quality of life for Indiana residents continues to grow. Our team's philosophy is to serve in partnership with clients like you to understand your current needs and work together to achieve successful solutions. For more information, please visit CommonwealthEngineers.com or call our office at 317-888-1177. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to AIM's Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller. Uh, As you all know that our avid listeners, we like to go around the state. All our members are interesting, but we like to find the especially interesting ones. And I think we've got a gem for you today. Uh, Bob Ferguson, the clerk treasurer here in Rowan. We're in the Rowan Town Hall today. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys coming in. And um, it's, it's, it's an honor to have you guys in the town of Rowan. We're, we're very blessed to have you guys come in. Bob just took us on a, a tour of the town hall. It's uh, as all town halls across the state, it's interesting and unique. Um, not uncommon to have a bunch of bank vaults in a, a town hall of this size. Uh, very common around the state, but just a, an interesting place, interesting person. Let's just jump right into it, Bob. Um, you have a really fascinating background. Uh, you've got military service, you've got circus service, uh, you have municipal government service. Um, just talk a little bit about your history and and how you arrived at Town Hall here in Rowan and became the clerk treasurer. When I was at I went back to college at at the age of 60 so that I could get some um, classes in office. And one of the classes that I went to, they said, you have to tell three things about you. And one of them is wrong. And the other two are correct. (laughs) And so I put down that I was a clown in the circus. I toured Europe in a rock band and I've been married three times. Well, everybody thought I'd been married three times. Well, I'm actually married to my lovely wife for 51 years this year. And yes, I have been a clown in the circus over in Peru, uh, or as we say it in this area, Peru. (laughs) Over in Peru, they have the uh, amateur circus. And at that time, um, our twin daughters were in it. and, And our oldest daughter was also in the circus. And we kind of got involved. Uh, I became an adult clown. My wife worked in the back lot. Uh, at that time, I was a, a manager at uh, Rinks in uh, Peru and it gave me time to do this. I got to work with uh, uh, Willie Wilno, who was one of the first human cannonballs <laughs> and it, the interesting people. And then my first cousin is a granddaughter to Clyde Beatty. And so the circus 
kind of uh, realm has always been in our family. So it was it was it was fun to, to do that. Um, I always told everybody that in, when I was in the military, it made for a great story that I was born in Peru. I moved to Chile. Of course, <laughs> around here, we call it Chile, but I say moved to Chile, went to school in Denver, graduated from North Miami. I married a girl from Mexico and we moved to Warsaw. And they'd say, man, you have lived all over the world. I said, nope, first time out of the state of Indiana. <laughs> and if we wouldn't have moved to Warsaw, I would have been in Miami County the whole time. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, my wife and I started dating when we were in the ninth grade. And we dated all through high school and then got married right out of high school. And uh, then I went into the uh, Navy. Of course, at that time, they had the, they had the lottery. And it wasn't the same kind of lottery you guys play today, but uh, all the guys that were age 18, 17, 18, 19, we all would glue to the radio and television to see what numbers were going to come up. Well, I was married at that time, and uh, I had just gotten laid off at a factory that I was working at, and my number was low enough. I thought, well, this is a good time to join the Navy. And so I joined the Navy. Uh, our first daughter was born when I was in boot camp. Wow. Um, I found out not through the Red Cross, but I found out from a letter that my wife had sent me. So you got this kid running around trying to call home and stuff like that. And um, after about a hundred push-ups, because I kept messing everything up when I was asking to go make a phone call, my company commander came out and I and said, uh, he said, he asked me what I wanted, and I'm cleaning this all up for everyone. Uh, <laughs> asked me what I wanted, and I said, I just had a baby, sir. And he looked at me and he says, okay, well, where is it? I had explained to him that, no, it wasn't me. It was my wife. How did you find out from a letter from my wife? And he said, well, if she's good enough to write. Then you don't need to talk to her. So he threw me out of his office, called me back in. Let me go call three minutes, double time all the way there, double time all the way back and uh, got to talk to my wife, but I had to bring back cigars. Well, he smoked cigars. And so I brought him the cigar. He threw it across the room. He said, you know, that's not the kind I smoke. And, but it was, it was kind of odd, but um, my oldest daughter was born while I was in boot camp. The twins, on the other hand, were born when I was in Corfu. I found that out uh, from the Navy chaplain, called me into his office and I was on a working party and they're not real parties, but I was, I was on a working party and called me to his office. I went to his office and then, um, uh, he said, you, 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 your wife had twins. 
Well, I'm not putting this all together because we did not know Diane was having twins until the doctor said, uh, hold on, here comes another one. But my brother's wife was having twins and he was in the Marine Corps and he was in uh, Connecticut at the um, sub base and I was stationed on board the Forrestal and I was in the med. And I, he said, he said, yeah, your wife had twins. I said, oh, great. He's looking at me and he says, no, you don't understand. I said, yeah, I understand. My brother's wife had twins. She's had her twins now. He says, no, you got to read that again. And so I read the message again. I said, yeah, my brother's wife had twins. He says, no, it says your wife had twins. So my brother's wife had twins in Connecticut um, before midnight. And my wife had twins in Peru after midnight. Wow. So our twins were, were only just a few hours apart, which was really odd. And um, uh, before midnight, my parents were the grandparents of one child. And then all of a sudden three, and then after midnight, five. <laughs> now that's the way to do it, to have them all at one time. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the way my, um, I found out about my kids while I was in the Navy. I was in the Navy for 10 years. Um, I was on board. I went to the Navy School of Music and at the Navy School of Music uh, during my first, um, during my first audition, during my first audition, they said, you play very well, but your music theory is lacking. Because at that time, the guys were coming at, into the military out of college. They were coming out of Juilliard. They were coming from every place to be Navy musicians. And of course, they all had music theory down. And I didn't. I'm coming out of North Miami in Miami County in, in uh, Indiana. And so uh, they said, your playing is great, but your music theory, you'll never be able to catch up. So we're going to send you to the fleet. And I said, okay. They said, you get three choices. So I picked Norfolk, Virginia last, and I picked an aircraft carrier last. So what they did was they sent me to the USS Forrestal, which is an aircraft carrier in Norfolk, Virginia. And so I went on board. But the great thing about that was I ended up in the dispersing office uh, where I handled pay for the next 10 years. But the other great thing about it was this band came on and Zoom Walt had just started doing rock bands. He'd always done show bands like you see with uh, Bob Hope and those, and those kind of uh, military bands. And he decided, no, nope, we're gonna, we're gonna have rock bands. And so when these guys came on, I knew a lot of them from school. We sat in music theory class together, or we were in uh, different bands, uh, show bands and stuff together. And um, when we got into the med, their drummer had to go on emergency leave and they were gonna have to scrap their whole tour. They had everything that was supposed to be a goodwill tour where they were touring all over. They were doing Spain, Greece, Italy, uh, Germany, and everything was set up for the, the whole six months. And um, 
he went home on emergency leave and they said, well, we're going to have to scrap the, uh, the, uh, the European tour. And the guy said, hold on. There's a guy on board I know can do this gig. And so they got a hold of me. I went down, I auditioned for them. And uh, I ended up playing in the very first Navy rock band. We still get to, we still talk on the, on, online and everything. Um, one of the, uh, the sax player ended up playing for, after he left the Navy, he ended up playing for the Temptations. He went on to play for uh, uh, the, uh, oh, let's see. He, he's got such a long line of people that he's played for, Celine Dion. Uh, he's played for uh, Natalie Cole. And uh, wow. yeah, the musicians, the musicians were top-notch musicians. Uh, some of them are still doing recordings today. And I'm just here. I get to play every once in a while, but well, that's not what I heard. I, I heard you, uh, you're still pretty active playing around and, uh, in bands and performing pretty regularly. Is that still accurate? That is very accurate. Yeah, and, that's and what I thought. In fact, I'm getting ready to do a show, um, toward the, um, end of September. I'll be at the Honeywell center on the 25th, 26th and 27th, I believe. Uh, doing a um, musical called Sister Act. Oh, yeah. And I'm really excited about this one. I've, I've been working at the Honeywell Center for the last 14 years. I do uh, some of the musicals. I come in and do uh, summer theater for them and uh, different things like that. But I'm really excited about this one because, of course, besides musical theater, I love musical theater. Um, Besides that, um, I love R&B and I, I love disco. <laughs> so uh, it's, the music in it is, is very exciting. So I'm, I'm really excited to do that. That's really cool. Really cool. Now, I, you were talking about the circus, Bob, earlier, and I think you glossed over something. My, our crack research team uh, may have determined or found out that you were the circus family of the year back in the mid eighties. Is that accurate? We were the, uh, on the 25th year, uh, we were circus family of the year with the, our three daughters that were of course in circus. And then I did the, the clown and then my wife working in the back lot and, and, uh, they, um, they named us circus family of the year, which was a, a great honor, a, a wonderful honor. We, we love that circus so bob i i get going to go out on a limb here and say that you're the only clerk treasurer i know that's a military veteran circus family of the year musician um still performing in major venues around the state and now a cmc cmo is designated by the state or the international institute of municipal clerks um talk a little bit more about your day job and what you've been doing to, to hone your skills there First of all, it's education. I think education is the most important part of this job. If we can't, if if you don't go to classes, you don't any way that you can get more knowledge. If you're not doing that, then you're missing the boat because we can't continue to do things the old way 
We have to keep up with the new ways that they're doing things. And so the only way we're going to do that is through education. So if there's a if there's ever um, aim is a great way to get a lot of education. Um, I've taken a lot of the classes that you guys have. Uh, same thing with uh, uh, the ILMCT. Um, I use them a lot to, for classes, for education. And um, if you're not going to classes and you're not furthering yourself, then you're going to be doing a lot of things that are incorrect. And so I think it's important to not only myself, but to my constituents that I leave this better than I found it. And I feel like I've, I've always done that with every job I've ever had. I always try to leave it better than I found it. And uh, I think that's an important part. Uh, we've been able to come up with a few grants. Uh, we just got a grant from the USDA for a truck. Um, and, <laughs> but as we know, trucks aren't being made very quickly right now. So now we're kind of waiting for, uh, it's, it's fascinating to me as a, um, a child from the 50s and the 60s that something the size of the tip of your thumb can shut down so many things in life. And, and, but, and people say, well, technology, uh, we were better off back when. That's not true. I mean, I can remember in the Navy when somebody would come in and say something about their pay, and I'd have to go through tons of paper, piece by piece, and to find their answer where now you just hit a button and there it is. So that's important. But to think that that little chip yeah. is in so many things. One of my best friends uh, at home is a GM of a GMC dealership. And he just told me this past weekend that typically they'll have anywhere from three to 500 brand new cars on the lot. Last week they had eight. Wow. So, I mean, that's just a, a, a quick side how crazy things are right now. So what uh, you mentioned some of the grants, you talked about some of the Main Street programs that are going on before we started the podcast. What's the coolest thing happening in Rowan right now that you're most excited about? Well, of course, we got the festival coming up. Uh, Covered Bridge Festival. Covered Bridge yeah. Festival, yes. And uh, that's always, that brings in probably around 5,000 people okay. into the town. And, but one of the things that Main Street is doing right now, of course, they just finished their mural on the side of this building over here where you can have your picture taken with this mural. Don't forget to have your picture taken before you leave town. And uh, another thing they're doing is they're um, having people donate money for lamps, the lamp posts. They're very cool. And uh, you would think a town the size of Rowan, which is 478, that it would be hard to um, sell a lot of lamps for your main street scape. And within the first 30 day month or maybe a few weeks, they had already had 17 lamps bought that people wanted to make sure that they 
bought a lamp so that it could go up into the construction. It doesn't sound the like these are $50 lamps either. They are not. Yeah. It's about, that's it, $1,200. And uh, which, which is a, which is a, gr a great price. And they plan on putting it from uh, 16 all the way down to uh, Beamer Street, which uh, that sounds like a, a lot of uh, area, but it's actually one, two, three, four, about five blocks. Okay. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're small. <laughs> and I always, I always brag that, that we have no empty storefronts. We don't have many storefronts, but we have no empty storefronts. <laughs> and even to say that is, is phenomenal. Well, I grew up in a town of 750, so a, a big metropolis to you, I know, Bob, but we're, we're uh, small town people for sure. Um, what's the most pressing thing facing Ruin? What's the biggest challenge right now? I'm always, I'm, I'm always going back to uh, three, three things. One, um, and I think it's, it probably ties to, to the rest of it, is um, internet service, mm -hmm. broadband. We got to have broadband in our town. Uh, right now, the Wabash, and, and you may or may not have heard of uh, 185, which is uh, we're doing a comprehensive plan for the whole county. And I'm on that steering committee for that. And the idea is that we've lost so much of our population in Wabash County. How do we get those people back? Well, we'll never, the town of Rowan will never have a steel factory. We'll never have a Chrysler factory. We'll never have any of that. But what we do have is we have a nice place to raise your family. And we also have something that we never thought about until the pandemic. We have an, we have an area where people can come and work because if you're working from home and you have good broadband, people can people can come in. You could put up a you could put up a building and have a uh, a lot of different offices in it, or even part uh, partition them off and uh, have broadband service. And you could actually work for Amazon. You could work for any of these large groups. And that would be a that would be a plus for the town of Rowan. Um, so broadband, probably, I'm going to put that at the top of the list. Of course, uh, another thing is parks. If you don't have nice parks for kids to play, you're not going to entice that twenty-five to 40 area because that's coming in with all their kids because they're looking for something for their kids to do. And so that's really important to me too. When we drop the school, we've got this big seven and a half acre area over there that uh, I've always been looking for grant money 
to to put in a nice park over there. We got a great baseball field over there, but we need more things over in there for the kids. So that's going to be important to bring in um, more people. And then by those two things, it's going to take care of the third and that's population. We really don't have that many empty houses in town. But if a developer ever came in and said, I'd like to develop an area, well, that's nice to come in and develop an area, but we've got to have something to bring those people in. And I think it's going to be important that we bring in the, uh, we bring in the younger people that 30, 31, uh, believe it or not, in the, in the, the last census, and that's not this one because I haven't seen this census yet. In the last one, our mean was 31. And you look at our town and you think, oh, it's got to be 50, 60. I mean, you look at you, you're 70. So, uh, but no, it's not. It's 31. It's 31. So we have to, we have to do something for those people. And uh, I, I know it's not popular in, in all uh, around the state, probably. And I think it's the best thing since ice cream. Uh, and I love ice cream. <laughs> the town of Rowan, every morning, you'll find school buses. I shouldn't even say this. They'll probably come and take them away. You'll get a school bus from North Miami. You have a school bus from Wabash. You have a school bus from Metro. And you have a school bus from, I think, Manchester comes into town, too. You get to pick where your kids are going to school. And I know that I know that's upsetting to some because they think, whoa, what a waste. But it's not a waste. It what it does is it takes education and it makes education be on the top notch because to get they're now vying for your children. So they have to do the best job possible so that they get your children. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a great thing. And so I look, but at the same time, we need broadband when those schools aren't in session. We, those kids have got to be able to do their homework and they're not gonna be able to get it done using free Wi-Fi sitting out on a bench in front of the town hall or going down to the library. Yeah. So. Sounds like you've got your priorities just right, Bob. I mean. We're seeing it, you know, we live in central Indiana and obviously we're seeing it every, in Indianapolis, it's probably half as full as it used to be pre-pandemic and all those people are now working somewhere else. You know, they didn't necessarily lose their jobs, they're working somewhere else. And I think, you know, Indiana is uniquely positioned, I just was reading something the other day, between all the natural disasters on the coasts and between the pandemic the Midwest is pretty uniquely positioned to be free from most of those things and able to become a, a attractive place for people to locate. Um, but I think you're right to, to position your community to be ready for that on down the road is the, the way to go. Um, two last questions, one last question and then a comment. Last question, anywhere I can get a good drum set, anybody that you know that makes a good drum set? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I just, you guys have been on my Facebook. Um, 
I have a drum set that's 30 years old. Okay. And it's a it's a Ludwig set. And I love that set. I just love it. And um, over the years, I got tired of the color. So they started out red sparkle. And then I had a, the set that I used when I was playing with the Navy band was a uh, charcoal that was also like um, Ringo Starr's set. And his set was also Ludwig. So I decided that I was going to take all of the red sparkle off and refinish this drum set. And it is not for the weak hearted <laughs> because you have to take all of the chrome and everything off of that. Then you have to pull the old stuff off and then you have to glue the new stuff on. You got to drill a lot of holes and put it back together and uh, then retune everything. And I saw, I saw this beautiful, uh, Gretsch had a, a new color come out and Ludwig had a new color come out that is, um, that is uh, blue uh, turquoise. And I just fell in love with that color. So I got online, ordered new shells, pulled everything apart, and put everything back together. And now that old drum set that was red sparkle years and years ago is now um, blue turquoise. And I, I love the set. I love doing that kind of stuff. It uh, It's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. So, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that um, my wife and I who've been together for 51 years, we have three daughters. Um, we have seven grandkids and we have 13 great grandkids. Wow, that's pretty cool. And so, yeah, that's that's odd. And, and um, we're gonna send out books to all of our grandkids to tell them what causes that so that we don't end up with 18 great grandkids. <laughs> but at any rate, you know, it's, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that because we're, I'm very, very, very proud of my family. If you get broadband set up in town, you won't have to send them books. They can just hop online and figure it out. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but I think one of the funnest things about my job is that, you know, clerk treasurer, we've barely talked about your job as a clerk treasurer because you've been talking about grants for the town and Main Street programs and everything else. So I think it's just further evidence that a clerk treasurer, particularly in a small town, is a whole heck of a lot more than the numbers person. True. You know, you're you're the face of the community often. You're the manager in some cases. You're the HR department. Um, so thanks for your service, Bob, to the, the town, to communities around the state. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. We'll see you uh, soon, I'm sure, at the next event. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Commonwealth Engineers. 